church. They're a healthy church. They don't have a ton of problems as some of the other church that Paul wrote letters to. But, but here he's really helping them to grow, helping them to mature, showing them what it looks like to be mature Christians, what it looks like to grow, what it looks like to have Jesus change every part of life, what it looks like to have every area of life affected by who Jesus is and what he's done. So we've talked about how Jesus changes suffering and how Jesus changes what it means to have success and significance. We've talked about how Jesus changes our relationships and serving one another and all these different things, decision-making, and we'll, we'll look at more of those things. Tonight, the question that I want to talk about is this. What, what's on your resume? Some of you maybe have a good resume. Some of you maybe this is a trigger to work on it, but what's, what's on your resume? And Paul is going to talk to us about his resume. So your resume is a list of pretty much everything that's awesome about you. It's uh, a good resume will list out your education, your achievements, your accomplishments. It'll list out maybe even volunteer work that you've done and certain organizations you're a part of, nonprofit organizations. It might list out people that think you're awesome. Also, your references that will say, yes, he doesn't just think he's awesome. I think he's awesome. I think she's awesome. It'll list out all sorts of great things about you, your schooling, your accomplishments, achievements, etc., etc., etc. And when Paul gives us his resume, he's going to help us to see how Jesus changes our resume. So your resume, in many ways, is what we use to have a confidence for something going into a job or something like that, an interview, you, you know you've got a sense of confidence, you've got a good resume. But how does Jesus relate to our resume? How does Jesus relate to our sense of confidence that we get from something like a resume? So Paul's going to talk about this. He's going to show us his resume, and then as we look at that, what we're going to see is the search we all have for confidence. We're going to see some of the dangers that come along with pursuing confidence, and then what an unshakable foundation is for having a confidence. Okay, so let's take a look at what Paul says here in the third chapter of Philippians. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. He says, reminders are good for us. We need to hear the same thing over and over and over again. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now he's going to list all his reasons for confidence. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the 
power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So where do we find confidence? Paul just listed out to us his resume, and it's a very impressive resume. It might not sound impressive to us. Hebrew of Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. Like, if you put that on your resume, I don't know if, oh, circumcised on the eighth day. I've seen some ten days, but eight days, it's, it's not impressive to us. But to Paul's readers, that was, that was amazing. I mean, this was an awe-inducing resume. You know, you talk to some people. You talk to some people and maybe their education or the city they're from, and sometimes it's like, oh, okay. And sometimes it's, oh, wow. I mean, even places and schools have that effect. You talk to someone and they say, I'm from Omaha. And you go, oh, okay. But if someone says, oh, I'm from Honolulu, you kind of, oh, wow. Or even my wife and I moved from Seattle. A lot of people we meet, they go, oh, Seattle. I've always wanted to move there. I've always wanted to see it. I've always, Denver has the same effect sometimes. You tell them, oh, I'm from Denver. Oh, wow. Schools, it's the, it's the same way. You tell someone, I went to Harvard, I went to Yale. That's a little better than I went to community college. I met someone when we first moved here and said, they went to the University of Miami. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Beaches, Will Smith has a song about it. And they said, uh, Miami, Ohio. And I didn't even know that existed. (laughs) That sounds like false advertising to me. (laughs) Like, oh, yes, I'm on vacation in Italy, Nebraska. Italy, Nebraska, you never heard of it? But certain places, certain things have a wow effect. Paul's resume would have done that to anybody reading it. It would have created this big wow He says he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. That means he's not just culturally Jewish. He is as Jewish as it gets. Tribe of Benjamin, one of the only tribes that did not desert David. One of two. That's amazing. He's the right lineage, the right family, the right education. He says he's a Pharisee, which to us is kind of a bad word. But back then, it was, man, you had the best schooling, the best education. He said he was blameless under the law, meaning he was as moral as it gets. And it wasn't just his morality, his zeal. He says, as to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. So saying, I was so passionate for God that when I thought that the church was bad, I was willing to persecute it. It's that passionate. It's the kind of person that would have been dragged off in a protest to jail or something along those lines. So dedicated to the cause. So educated. Right family. Right. All of those things that we would go, man, that's amazing. For us today, it would be kind of as if Paul would list out that he is a Pulitzer Prize winner, CEO of several companies he started, that he has worked or started several nonprofits and helped people. It would be if he said that he went to Harvard and Yale and Oxford, all three, just for kicks and giggles. All, I mean, everything that we would think of, a Super Bowl ring, whatever, whatever you'd be awed by, that's what Paul says he had. See, where do we get a sense of confidence from? Because Paul gives to us his resume. And what's a resume? A resume is a list of all the things that are good about you, right? It's a list of all the things you've done and achievements and accomplishments that make you special, that make you worthy, that give you a sense of, I'm confident. That's what a resume is. And then what's the purpose of a resume? Well, a resume gets you access to places you didn't previously have access to. 
It gets you into places. You think of a job interview or something along those lines. And your resume is the key that gets you in. Think about this um, with even uh, a school that you want to get into. Your resume, your application, that's what gets you in. It gets you access, it gets you open doors to places that right now you're shut out of. That's what a resume is helpful for. That's what we use it for. It's a sense of our confidence. It it shows all the great things about us. It's an argument that we matter, and then it's used to get us into places. And really, this is how all humanity and society works. It's not just in a career standpoint. If you think about it, we create resumes, not just in the career standpoint for jobs or school, but in all the different relationships we have. So we need a resume to get into certain friend groups. Maybe think back to high school. I think it's still present today, but think back to high school. Maybe first day. Maybe you don't want to think like that. I'm sorry. But you show up to high school and you want to make friends. You need a resume to get into those friends. That resume might be how you dress or how you talk or if you're funny or if you're charming or pretty. or whatever. You need something to get into a group that you're not in. Or romantically, same thing, right? You build an online dating profile. That's your romantic resume that shows, give me access into relationship with you. So we do that with other people, friends, romantically. We do it with God too. How do you get access to relationship with God? A lot of times we think about, well, God, here's my resume. Here's what I've done. Here's how I've been good. Gets us access into relationship with God. Some of you, maybe you're more like me, and you don't really care that much what people think, or maybe even what God thinks sometimes. And it's more just about yourself. What makes you feel good about yourself? And what makes you feel like you matter? Who cares what other people think? But you care what you think. You care what your own, I mean, many people say, you know, I'm my own harshest critic or something like that. That's how some of you are, that uh, you don't care necessarily about impressing God or impressing other people, but yourself, you do. You care if you let yourself down or if you seem worthy to yourself. See, we need a resume in all of the different relationships we have in life. It's not just with work or jobs or school. It's it, A resume gives us access where we don't have access. It opens doors of relationship that we don't currently have. And we use that in all the different avenues that we have in life. All of us have this. It's different things for different people. Mine's not going to be the same as yours, but it's different things for different people. It's what makes you feel good when you have it. When the things on your resume that you say, this is what gives me confidence, this is how I know I matter, when you've got those things, you feel good. Maybe even a particular day or a particular week. And if you lose those things, that's when you feel bad. Maybe think about it almost in in this way. Let's say you're having a great day. Why is it? Probably because something on the resume that you know, this is why I matter, this is why I'm significant, this is why I have worth, is, is happening. And then what if your day got ruined? Well, it's probably because something got challenged on there or taken away from there. And the reverse can happen. You can have a really bad day, and all of a sudden it's great. Why? Well, because something on your resume that makes you feel good, that matters to you, happened. We all have this 
list. It's what our confidence is based on. See, Paul uses the word righteousness to talk about he had a sense of righteousness, but then talks about this as confidence. Righteousness is not just morality. It's our very sense of confidence. That Maybe self-confidence is a word that we use more in our language. That we matter, that we have worth, that we feel good about ourselves. That's what Paul's talking about. He listed out his resume and said, that was my confidence. That was my righteousness. That's how I knew I mattered. That's how I knew that I was special, that I had worth, that I had value. Something that we all have. You see, and when on your resume you get criticized, think about this. Because maybe you're not sure. Well, what is it for me? What's on my resume? When you get criticized about something, what's your response? It probably depends, right? Depends on what you're getting criticized about. If somebody criticizes me for my athletic abilities, I don't care. If, some, if you tell me, Caleb, you're not good at hockey, I'm going to say, is that a compliment? I, I don't care. Or even any sports, really, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me because that's not on my resume. That's not my worth. That's not my value. But if you tell me, Caleb, you know, I think you suck at being a pastor, that's going to sting. Because that's on my resume. I mean, literally, it's on my resume. But it's also on my feeling good about myself, confidence resume. If you tell me, Caleb, I think you suck as a husband, that's going to hurt. See, what you get criticized, what, where you're sensitive to criticism, that's where you know that's on my resume. See, people can criticize you for all sorts of things, and you might not care at all. But when they criticize something and it stings, that's when you know, oh, that's where I'm getting my worth. That's where I'm getting my value, my confidence. So we all have this search for confidence. It's very important. It's something that we all need. We need to feel that. We need to feel that we count, that we matter, that have that sense of self-confidence. But confidence harms us. See, because Paul lists out his resume, he gives us all this stuff that he did, right? Right family, right background, right schools, right zeal, right morality, all of it. He lists all that out and then says, you know what? You know what it is to me? This is what it is. That's what it is. That's what he says. And I hate to show that to you. <laughs> but I, and I want to get that across, though. He says, he counts it all as rubbish. But you know what the real word is that he used? It's scubula, which means crap. It actually means a word harsher than that that I won't say. But that's what he says it is. He says it's crap. That's what he literally says. He lists out everything good. All of I won't keep this on there for the rest of the sermon. But it's going to be up there for a little bit. Because Paul uses, he says something graphic to get that across. He lists out everything that's amazing that he has done. All the achievements, all the accomplishments, everything, all, his whole resume. And he says, here's my resume. So if he, Paul went in for a job interview and they said, hey, do you have your resume? And he goes, here it is. Plops it on the desk. If Paul had a dating profile and he just goes, you know what? I'm just going to, there it is. There's my Tinder picture. Just that. It says Paul on a picture of turd. That's what, that's what he says. Isn't that strange? I mean, if you think about your resume and all the things that you would say, this is where my worth is, this is where my value is, this is where my confidence is, and Paul says, yeah, here it is. That's what I think of it. Everything good about you. 
everything that you go, this is how I know I can look myself in the mirror in the morning and go, I'm okay. Paul goes, yeah, there it is. You're looking in the mirror right now. That's very strange. I'll take it away now. What, is, what does that mean? Why, why does he say that? See, Paul says, you know, everything that if I didn't have it, I would feel crappy. Now I think it's crappy. I used to think I was the scubula, and now everything that I thought for that is scubula. Oops, I didn't catch what I did there. That's okay. <laughs> so why is he saying that? Well, here's the thing. All those things about you are not in and of themselves crap, but they're crap for confidence. They're crap as a sense of your worth. They're crap as a sense of your value. They're crap as a sense of your acceptance or your good standing or feeling self-confident. That's what they're crap for. They're not just crap in and of themselves, but we have them in the wrong place. Paul says, that was my confidence, my righteousness. And Paul says, for that purpose, it's crap. So let's say you're trying to nail some things into the wall. And you've got some nails. And you're, you're trying to put them in. And you go, man, this is a crappy hammer. But you're using a loaf of bread. Well, yeah, it's a crappy hammer. Because that's not what it's supposed to do. That's not what it's intended for. That's not its purpose. And Paul says that everything that we build on our resume, all the things that we say, this is how I know I have worth, this is how I know I have value, says it's, it's all crap. If that's what you're basing your confidence on, if that's how you know that you matter, it's crap for that purpose. It's crap for that purpose. How do you know what these things are? I mentioned criticism, but let me tell you a couple other things of how you know this is what's on your resume. What do you get jealous about? See, that's because you're looking at someone else's resume and go, oh, I want that on my resume. What do, what do you get stressed about? That's because you're working hard to get it on the resume. You're working hard for your worth. You're working hard for your value. And you're stressed because you're trying so hard to get it. Because it, it's not just a thing that's a good thing. It's something that is stressing you out. It's something you're obsessed about. Because it's your very worth. You're very confident. What do you get anxious about? Worried about? Because maybe it's slipping off the resume. Or maybe you've got a placeholder on there. I know I'll have worth or value if I'm married. I'll know I'll have worth or value if I've got friends. You've got a placeholder on there and it's not getting filled up. So you're getting anxious. What do you get jealous about? What do you get stressed about? What do you get anxious about? What are you, as I said before, sensitive to criticism about? Those are the things that you're building your worth on, your value on, your confidence on. That's what's on your resume. And Paul says, for confidence, it's crap. But he actually goes further than that. Because he doesn't just say it's crap. He also says it's loss. It's loss. So Paul says, everything that I used to look at as gain, I now look at as loss. Everything that people would normally look at and go, wow, you've gained so much. Paul goes, no, actually, it's a loss. It's like if you talk to someone and they say, man, it's been such a hard day. 
I've lost everything. What do you mean? I won the lottery. What? I thought you gained. Oh. Man, it's been such a hard day at work. I lost everything. You get laid off? No, I got promoted. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Paul's saying everything that was gain, he counts as loss. Everything most people would go, wow, Paul, that's impressive. He goes, no, it's loss. So why? Why is that the case? Why does Paul say it's not just crap, but it's actually loss? Because it's loss if it keeps you from true gain. It's loss. All those things in our life are loss if they keep us from actually gaining what actually counts. It's kind of like golf. If you play golf and you think, man, I'm winning. I've got so many points. I'm gaining. No, you're losing. The more you think you're gaining, you're actually losing if it keeps you from what true gain actually is. So here's the thing that kept him from Christ. Our main problem, our main problem is not sin. It's righteousness. Our main problem is not sin. It's our confidence. Our main problem that keeps us from growing as Christians is not sin. It's righteousness. It's our confidence. Our main problem that keeps us from enjoying God is not sin. It's righteousness. Our main problem that keeps us from thriving and and loving God, not sin, it's righteousness. Because it's all the things that we say, man, I've already got worth, I've already got value, I've already got morality, I've already got goodness, I've already got confidence apart from Christ. That's what kept Paul originally from Christ. That's what keeps most of us, if you're not a Christian, I don't know everyone in this room, if you're not a Christian, that's probably what's keeping you from Jesus. It's not your badness, it's not your sin, it's your goodness. You look at your life and you're confident and everything's put together and you feel valuable and you feel like you've got worth and you feel like a good person and you go, so why do I need Jesus? It's most of the time our sin often drives us to Christ because we see our brokenness and our neediness, but it's our confidence, our righteousness where we go, ah, man, I'm good. That's what keeps us from Christ. Isn't that true? I mean, don't you experience that, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian? That's what keeps us from Christ. It's our confidence. It's our righteousness. That's the main problem we have. It's our resume. Let me tell you a story that Jesus tells. Jesus talks about two men that walk into a temple to pray. And it's a Pharisee and a tax collector. And tax, I mean, no one likes tax collectors today. No one's ever liked them for thousands of years. But even then, it was, no one here works for the IRS, do you? One time I said something about no one being a Marine, and then someone raised their hand. So, is anyone a tax collector? Uh, But no one likes them, okay? Sorry to break it to you. No one likes tax collectors. And back then, they even worse didn't like them because they were traitors to their country. They They would take extra off the top. All sorts of things. Sounds familiar. And, uh, they, two guys walk into a temple. Sounds like a joke. Two guys walk into a temple. A tax collector and a Pharisee, okay? And the tax collector, or the Pharisee says this, okay? The Pharisee, who's a religious leader, he walks in and he, he prays. And he prays this great prayer. And he says, God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that I'm not 
bad person. I thank you that I don't cheat on my wife. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm going to paraphrase this, okay, and elaborate on it and read it. He says, I thank you. I don't cheat on my wife. I don't look at porn. I don't get drunk. I thank you that I'm kind to people. I thank you that I'm not a jerk to people. I thank you that I follow all of your rules. I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector. God, thank you. Thank you. Tax collector's prayer is different. Tax collector gets on his knees. He says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, which of those two men do you think knew God? Which of them do you think left justified in good standing with God? See, a lot of times what keeps us from Jesus is our righteousness, our confidence. Look at all these things about me that are awesome. That's how I know, God, that you and me are good because of all these things. We can even spiritualize it and thank God for them. But the tax collector knew, I need mercy. I'm a sinner. See, what harm can confidence cause? It keeps us from Jesus. See, what, what's a Christian? See, Paul says he always knew that sin was wrong. He always knew that. But he had to not just repent of his sin, but of his righteousness. He had to not just repent of his badness, but his goodness. Not just his records of wrong, but his records of right. If those things keep us from Jesus. See, there's many ways to avoid Jesus. Some people avoid Jesus by being completely rebellious and irreligious and they just say you know what i'm going to do my own thing i'm going to live my own life i don't need god i want to do my own thing and that's one way to avoid god in christ but another way to avoid god in christ is to say i'm going to be a really good person i'm going to be really religious i'm going to pray i'm going to read the bible i'm going to do all the good things that way you and me are in good relationship Either way, it's still controlling your own life, being your own God, being your own Savior. See, Jesus is supposed to be the Savior. But some people say, I'm going to live my own life and do my own thing, and I'm, I'm my own God. I, I they may not say those words, but I live my own life my own way. And other people say, no, I'll, I'll follow all the right rules. And then, God, you should bless me, and you should provide for me, because I'm doing everything you say. But it's still a way to control your own life. It's still a way to be your own Savior, your own God. A Christian is not somebody that just gets religious. I didn't pray, and now I pray. I didn't read the Bible, and now I read the Bible. Didn't go to church, and now I go to church. It's a completely different reorientation that repents of both your bad things and your good things. If they're your sense of worth, if they're your sense of value, if they're your sense of accomplishment and achievement, so, where can we find true confidence then? Where can we find true confidence? We all have this searching for confidence, and yet in that search, there's so many problems, so many dangers, so much harm that actually comes to us as we pursue confidence. Where do we find an unshakable foundation for confidence, for our worth, for our value, to know that we actually matter? You know what Paul says? I already kind of hinted at it, but it's obviously the answer is Jesus. It's Jesus's resume. See, what happens 
when you become a Christian, Paul says, is that he put his, through faith in God, he now has Christ's righteousness. So this is what that means. Jesus, who is God and man, came to earth. He lived a perfect life. And he went to the cross and he died. And he died to take sin on himself. All the sins that we've done, both sins of the wrong things and also our sins of self-righteousness and self-confidence. He died for that. He died for that. And then as he resurrects, he gives us new life. So that what happens is if you become a Christian, what you're saying is, by faith, I trust that you did that for me. I understand that you're not just a teacher or an example, but you're a savior. And I need you to save me. I can't be good on my own. I can't be righteous on my own. I need you to save me. And then what happens is Jesus takes our resume and puts it in the shredder and he hands us his. He hands us his so that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus's resume. That's, that is where we get a true sense of confidence, a true sense of worth and value is that, wait a minute, my worth and my value is in Jesus's record, not my own. Now that is the only way that we can have a bulletproof sense of confidence. Paul, when he writes about this later, he, he calls this in Ephesians, the breastplate of righteousness. Creates bulletproof. Nothing can hurt you if you've got this confidence. Nothing can, things, you know, they might hurt your feelings maybe a little bit, but nothing can crush you. Nothing can devastate you. If your righteousness is in Christ's record, if your confidence, your worth, your value, your sense of, I'm okay. If that's in what Christ has done, you're bulletproof. See, nothing else provides that. Here's the thing. Everybody knows that confidence is our greatest, one of our greatest needs in our soul. You know, if you've ever, if you did psychology 101 in college or anything like that, the top of Maslow's period, uh, his uh, pyramid, is self-actualization, which is to say, when you reach the heights of who you are, you know who you are, you feel good about yourself, you've become self-actualized. Or maybe even just in more uh, pop terms, it's just, hey, be all you can be, you can do it, you are special, you are awesome, you are beautiful, you are great, you are... So we all know that we need that. That's a deep longing we have to feel a sense of self-confidence, to feel I'm valuable, I'm worthy. But if, if, if it's not found in Christ, what's the alternative? If it's not found in Jesus, what is the alternative of where it's to be found? It's in what you do or who you are. If it's not going to be found in Jesus, the alternative is it's found in what you do and who you are do something to fill in the resume. You know, I was searching, and if you search self-confidence, the first two things that come up on Google, it gives these couple articles and blogs that, that list out, hey, if you want to feel self-confident, there's just some simple things you should do. If you want to have a sense of worth and value, here's some simple things, just some simple things you should do, okay? Here's what they were. Number one, groom yourself, okay? Number two, dress nicely, Photoshop your self-image, Think positive, 
Kill negative thoughts. Get to know yourself. Act positive. Be kind and generous. Get prepared. Know your principles and live them. Speak slowly. Oops. Stand tall. Increase competence. Set a small goal and achieve it. Change a small habit. Focus on solutions. Smile. Volunteer. Be grateful. Exercise. Empower yourself with knowledge. Do something you've been procrastinating on. Get active. Work on small things. And clean your desk. Just that. Now, you've heard all of those things. Maybe not in one blog, though this was in one article. But you've heard all of the, hey, if you want to feel good about yourself, just smile every day. If you want to feel good about yourself, go exercise. Go do... Have, feel worthy about yourself. Feel value about yourself. And I know you probably don't have a list like this, but we all have those pieces. We all have these things that say, what do I need to do to put on my resume to feel worth, to feel value, to feel okay? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? Or who am I? See, the problem with all of that, with finding our confidence in what we do or who we are, you know what the problem is? I'll show you, if you, if you put self-confidence into Google Images... Here's the first and most popular image that comes up. I don't know if you can see that. It's real fuzzy. It's a kitten looking in the mirror, and he's a lion. Now, what's wrong with that? This is the most popular image you type in self-confidence, and it really conveys what we believe self-confidence is and how we get it. Hey, just several of them had the caption, believe in yourself. You know what's wrong with this picture? It's a kitten. He's not a lion. If that kitten runs in the Sahara and tries to tackle an antelope, he's going to get his face crushed, right? That's what antelopes do, if you didn't know, I think. They're very violent animals, apex predators. He's not a lion. And you know what? We know when we try to bolster our self-confidence and our worth and our value by just telling ourselves, believe in our... The truth is, when we're honest, we know we're kittens. You can look in the mirror and tell yourself you're a lion and wake up every day, I'm a freaking lion. But you know you're not. You're a kitten. I'm a kitten. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. We know that's not true. Here's the other most popular image. This guy. Something like that. Several pictures of someone standing like that in a Superman cape or just this one. What's the problem with that? See, when we find our worth and our value in our resume, what we do, who we are, you know what it does? We feel great sometimes. We feel great. But you're going to fail. What are you going to do when you fail? See, you can, if all your worth and all your value is based on what you do, what's going to happen when you fail? Because it's going to happen. You're going to just tell yourself you're a lion? No, you're not. You failed as a lion. What's going to happen when, if your worth and value is in what you do, you fail? Because we all do. Or, maybe even worse, what if you don't fail? What do you think this orange guy thinks about the white people behind him? Their arms are flat and they're white. doesn't get much worse than that. That's not a racial thing. It's just, a, it's just an orange and white thing. Maybe part of it is racist. What do you think? What do you think he's going to think about those people behind him? Hmm? He's going to be pretty self-righteous towards those kittens. He's going to be pretty self-righteous towards those people. Their resumes aren't that great. See, when our worth and our value and our confidence is in what we do or who we are, we know deep down that we're not as good as we say we are. 
we're going to fail. And we're, if we don't fail, we're going to look at everybody else as less than adequate. But in Christ, as I said, we're bulletproof. We're bulletproof. We're bulletproof to several different things. We're bulletproof to sin. And here's what I mean by that. When you sin, sometimes different things happen. When, when, when we sin, this is what happens. We either feel, man, I'm just pathetic. I'm a total loser. I just suck. God must hate me. Feel all this shame and condemnation. Or sometimes we start to go, well, at least I'm not that bad. At least I'm not like them. I saw what they did. I didn't do that. We, we do whatever we can to kind of protect ourselves. And so even we don't like to be convicted of sin, we don't like sin to be brought to our attention, we don't like to be corrected or criticized because it just crushes us. But if our righteousness is in Christ, if our confidence is in Christ, then we know, you know what? My resume is his resume. So yeah, I sinned. But but that's not my identity. That's not my worth and my value in being a good person. My worth and my value is in Christ and what he did. That changes how we approach sin. We're bulletproof to it. I'm not saying we're bulletproof and that we don't sin. I'm saying our response is bulletproof. We're also bulletproof to other people's opinion of us, both positive and negative. See, some of you maybe have always been a success. You've always been pretty. You've always been awesome. You were valedictorian or just awesome Victorian or something. Maybe you're an athlete, you lettered. What, you've just always been awesome, okay? You know who you are. But that's really hard to hang on to. It's really hard. And you can feel paranoid. What if I lose this? What if people stop thinking I'm awesome? You can be controlled by people's opinion. On the negative side of things, maybe you've always been a loser. Maybe you've, no one's ever told you you were pretty. Maybe no one's ever said that you were really smart. Maybe your parents always disapproved of you. Maybe your teachers, you were never the favorite one. Maybe didn't always have any friends. Just kind of always felt like you're a little low class. You know, I know this guy that told me he had two kids, young kids. And um, one of them, they were in some sort of fight or something. And the son ran up to his dad and he said, Dad, my brother, I don't remember the names, but Dad, my brother called me a poopy head. And he said, Son, are you a poopy head? Is your head made of poopy? And he said, No. He said, Oh, who are you? You're my son. I love you. You're mine. That's who you are. So it doesn't matter the negative things people say about you. And it doesn't matter the positive things people say about you. We have Jesus' resume. So it doesn't matter what other people think. God has told us what he thinks of us because of Christ. Not And get this, it's not just because God says, I think you're awesome, I think you're... No, it's because of Jesus. It's because Jesus gives us his resume and by faith we're attached to Jesus. Okay? It's different from God just saying, you're awesome, you're special, you're beautiful. No. God says, I think Jesus is awesome and special and beautiful. And you're attached to him because you've got his resume. So you're not a poopy head. Some of us need to know that in the most pervasive sense. 
we're also bulletproof to people's opinions. We're bulletproof to we're bulletproof to our sin, and we're bulletproof to kind of the uh, shakiness in a relationship with God. So some of you, if you have a great week, I can feel like this sometimes in a particular day. Feel like you have a great day or a great week. You go, man, God probably loves me today. I've been good. God loves me. You have a bad day or a bad week. I don't know what God thinks about me. Sometimes that means you don't even come to church then. You don't want to read your Bible. You don't want to pray. You don't want to be around other Christians because you feel, I've had a bad week. I've been bad, so I've got to work back my goodness, and then God will. There's kind of this shakiness with relationship with God because it's based on what you do. But in Christ, God says, I love you, period. You're mine, period, because of him. I love you just as much now as I'll always love you, neither more, neither less, because that's how he feels about Jesus. And we're attached by faith to Jesus. So it makes you bulletproof. Your sense of confidence, your sense of worth, your sense of value, your sense that you're okay doesn't come from what you do. It doesn't come from who you are. It comes from who Jesus is. It comes from what he did. And it doesn't just affect you. You know, it, it, that the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done, it's the only thing that can actually create an inclusive community. Because here's what happens in community. It becomes exclusive because we start to judge people, size them up based on how they fit our resume. We don't let them have access because their resume is not good enough. But because of the gospel, if you're a Christian, everybody's got the same resume. You go, hey, that's on your resume? Oh, that's on my resume. Oh, wow. It equalizes everybody because we're all one in Christ. The gospel has the power to make community bulletproof. So here's what I'm going to say in closing. You may think you're a Christian and not be one. Because you've looked to Jesus as an example. You've looked to him as a teacher. You've used Jesus just as a part of your resume, as an add-on. Just, yeah, I think part of a good life is a little bit of Jesus on my resume, and that might make me have some worth and some value if I've got some religious activity. But is he your savior? Have you completely reoriented your life in such a way that you go, all of my worth and value is because of you, because of what you've done on the cross, because of your resurrection, because of your life. That's how I know I'm anything. That's how I know I'm okay. And some of you, you might be coming up in your life against, just feel like I'm stuck, I'm not growing, I don't love God, I don't know how to change. I don't. Maybe it's because it's just all been religion. And that's why it's, been up and down and up and down and it's why sometimes you're ridden with guilt and anxiety and and it's why sometimes you feel tons of pride because you're doing great but to the degree that you understand my righteousness my confidence my worth my value is in christ what he's done that gives you a steadiness gives you a love and a joy when this happens paul says everything else shrivels Everything else fades. He says that knowing Christ, everything else is just rubbish, just crap, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Him 
can be found in him. Everything else fades away. That's what happens. Is that happening in your life in a growing sense? I'm not saying you're there 100%, but is that happening in a growing sense where you're feeling more and more that your worth, your value, your confidence is because of Jesus, not because of who you are and what you do? Paul says this is something we need to hear all the time and let it continue to work in our souls. When we take communion, that's what we remember. We remember that Jesus shed his blood and had his body broken for us to give us his record of righteousness, to give us his resume. That's what it was about, to say, you're mine, and now because of this, you can know me, you can have worth, you can have value, not based on what you do, not based on who you are, but based on what I did and who I am. That's good news. That's good news. That your acceptance, that your worth, that your value is not based on you and what you do and who you are, but based on Jesus. So do you know Jesus? Are you connected to Jesus? And are you growing in that? Let me pray for us. Also, uh, we will receive offering at this time. And if you're not a Christian, please don't give. Uh, We want you to receive Christ's resume, his righteousness for the first time. But if you are a Christian, this is a way that we worship God with everything that we are. Uh, Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you that you've given us your record, that you've given us your righteousness, not because we earned it, not because we deserve it, not because we're special, but simply because of your grace, simply because of your deep love for us. So I thank you, God, for grace. I thank you for the fact that we have worth and value in you. Lord, forgive us for finding our worth and value in other things. I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, maybe that even thought they knew you, that they would come to know you today. They would, for the first time, find their sense of worth 